0: I am bald. I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic. Mm. And, uh, late. <laughs> if your head keeps time, I'm late. If you trust in God, I'm here exactly when I'm supposed to be.
1: Uh,
0: I didn't get to talk... I didn't get to... The meeting I wanted to, to talk about last night was, uh... Do we have to split you guys up or what? <laughs> to me... <laughs> me that. I really wanted to talk about that, is what does God look like? Okay. Now, first of all, for those of you that don't know me, I use pretty outrageous language sometimes, and if it offends you, I don't care. All right? If if your life is in such a fine, well-oiled machine and running in such perfect order that a word can disturb it, we have nothing to say to each other. Okay? Okay. I have found over the years in Program of Recovery that the only reason language offends me is it offends my head because my head likes to shut people off. And if it can pick on a word or a phrase and close its mind down to what they have to say, then it can keep me in ignorance. So don't let anything I say keep you in ignorance. Some of the things I say may put you into ignorance, but... (laughs) What I try and tell you is what I believe based on... Uh, 16 years and 10 months of recovery This is all I know It's what I've learned in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous And Narcotics Anonymous And being around the other program And so when I title a meeting What does God look like It's probably something I had no idea of 10 years ago And if somebody had asked me that question 14 years ago I would have told you I was told you God was a very old man, which immediately put in a gap. Meant no, no hope for communication because I was young and he was old and we wouldn't understand each other. That he wore white, flowing white robes, that he had a long beard, that he sat in a big throne, that he was high in the sky, that he had a book that he kept score and we weren't even. <laughs> and that was the guy that I understood. I had no conception at all of what God looked like. And the thing that dawned on me when Joanie and I were talking on the phone, because all this was just off the top. I mean, I had no idea. She called me and said, because we had a lot of trouble hooking it up, getting our, our arrangements for this. And finally, at the last minute, she said, what the hell is going to be the topic? And I said, bleh. And I don't even know what it is. Somebody has to give me a paper. What is it? <laughs> oh, okay. That's a nice sign. guy? That's a good retreat. Jesus, I like that. And then, uh, what is the only meaning going to be? What does God look like? And those are just things that came off the top of my mind. And the reason I thought of what does God look like, because if you're nuts like I'm nuts, that's the kind of question that sends you right over the edge. Right? What does God look I wonder what he's going to say. What the hell is this going to look like? You know? And, of course, I have spent years in recovery looking for the, the person who had found the secret phrase. You know? The the person that had found the one goddamn magic hidden sentence in the book that I couldn't find that made it all easier. It somehow made recovery a smoother road than it was for me. And it's kind of like it's so easy now to realize that I'm going to come to a retreat and it's going to be filled with people, and that's what God looks like. You want to see God? You really, honest to God, for the first time in your life, want to see God? Look at the person sitting next to you. And you are looking at God. Now you're not going to take so much so serious anymore. Okay? There must be some humor in all this somewhere. You see? The only God I have come to know in the time I have been on the program has one instrument, and that instrument is people. Everything that has come to me has come to me through people who have been moved into and out of my life on a timing that is so infinitesimal it boggles the imagination. I have hooked it up with people when I have been delayed and stoplights didn't work and trains crossed where they never crossed in ten years and buses got broke down and nothing went right so that two people or I and one other person could walk through a doorway at the same time. God has always worked through people. I was brought to the program by people. Taken out of a doorway by one, taken to a meeting by another. All right anything I have ever needed in all of my sobriety has been brought to me by a person and usually someone I didn't expect it from. The people I have expected to do for me and expected to perform for me and expected to provide for me have always let me down and always will let me down, and I will let you down because I am human. So if you look to me for all of it, if we have a private relationship, you're screwed. You're in, you're in fucking trouble in front, right? We haven't even gotten down the street and you're in trouble because I ain't going to provide it. I can't. Okay? But the person who can or the multitude of people who can will be provided. They are always provided if I take a path. I was talking to a really good friend of mine the other day on the phone, an ex-wife, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and we were talking about the path of non-resistance. How beautiful it is, and how illogical it is, if you equate that to how we've been raised. We have been brought up, or I won't say we, I have been brought up to be prepared. It's like the entire human race latched onto the motto of the Boy Scouts of America and said, get ready. It's coming. They never tell you what's coming, but it's coming, okay? Have a little money stashed in the bank so that you're ready when the shit hits the fan. All right? Well, that's a hell of a way to live, getting ready for, for, for the bad things. Now, as I start to read books by world-renowned metaphysicians and people and teachers and old prophets and people, they all say, that isn't how you're supposed to do it. Getting ready for bad will do, is guaranteed to bring one thing about in your life. Exactly what you're preparing for. You want to get all ready and prepare for a disaster, build a bomb shelter. I bet some son of a bitch will throw a Molotov cocktail <laughs> over your fence. You'll be the only house in the neighborhood that gets it, right? And you will have forgotten the key to the door on the shelter. Because that's what it's like. And we do that emotionally. We build emotional bomb shelters, and then we get nailed Immediately. Immediately we get nailed and we don't have the key in time to get in the door and hide. I'm always caught off guard. I love being caught off guard because it's the only time you can get to me. It's the only time you can get to the real me is if you catch me off guard. (laughs) Nothing personal, I stare at you, but you know, think about it. It's hard to accept that God works through the person sitting next to you. It's really hard to accept that. It's, 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 it's the mind, you see, because if you're like I am, your worst enemy and the only enemy you're ever going to have throughout your recovery is your mind, your own mind. Not mine, not the person sitting next to you, not your old ladies. not your husband's, not your mother's, not your kid's, not your father's, not your great-aunt Emily's. The only goddamn enemy you're going to have is your mind the thing that you have been taught to respect, which has led you to this retreat. (laughs) That's it. The end result of your best thinking, of your education, your planning, your scheming, your maneuvering, your manipulating, your fucking intelligence is you are sitting in this room listening to me, and I am an admitted nut. (laughs) That's how good it works. Just think. Think about it for a while. Think of all the good things it tells you about yourself. If your neighbor told you about yourself, what your head tells you about yourself, you would kill your neighbor. (laughs) You would have to kill him. I mean, you wouldn't take it from a... You would not take it from another human being. You would kill them. You'd have to. The pain would be too great. But because our own head says it, we say, Oh, I am, huh? I'm that weak, huh? Well, I am scared Yeah, we better not do that No, I think I'll stay home You know Probably the one of the things that has always been to me sad about my mind Is my mind is self-gratifying Okay? It needs no one to entertain itself It is perfectly delighted to sit home alone and think Doesn't want to talk to anybody Irritated when the phone rings because you're interrupting my thinking I don't want to know who's out here the phone. I'm thinking We're planning. We're getting ready. We're being prepared. We're not going to deal with today because getting ready for next week is so much more fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yet everything I read that has anything to do with God or love or spirituality or living that is comfortable with me, that doesn't make sense logically but feels good internally, says, today is it. This is all you've got. Now, one of the things that a lot of people do, okay, is you can come up to a retreat like this or go to a convention and you can sit around here and spend all your time getting ready for Monday. Okay? Why pay attention to the person that you go on the trust walk with when you can be figuring out how you're going to handle Monday? Whatever Monday's problems may be. Are you going to have to fill out an application employment? Are you going to have to go to a job you hate? Are you going to have to go back down the hill tonight and face somebody you really don't like living with, but you don't have enough trust to just walk the hell out? I mean, what are all these things that are going on up here instead of paying attention to this moment? See, the one thing, the only reason... You know, Joni is, is right. I drive people nuts because I say, you know, I go as it comes. That's the only way I know how to live. I find that the most spiritual people I know appear to be, by the standards of the society in which I live, irresponsible. Be irresponsible. They won't commit to your bullshit 17 months down the line. They don't even know what they're going to be in this country 17 months down the line. Well, I don't know. If I'm there, I'll see you. in the comments takes care of that most people can't handle that. We weren't raised that way we' ready to get ready be prepared plan what are you going to do Monday what are you gonna have for lunch Monday Tuesday what are you gonna do about dinner where are you gonna to go to the movie Let's pick let's pick Friday's movie today a week in advance you know let's get crazy because that lot next to that theater's full and that's the movie I want to see Well fuck it we'll drive 12 and a half miles we'll park here. We'll see that movie in the line 212 people you come out they towed your car but God damn it you saw your movie You got there. We do it with everything in our lives. We do it with everything else. The head comes up with an idea, and if we go for it, we goddamn try and move mountains to bring it about. And I have learned that is not God's plan for me. Maybe it is for you, but it isn't for me. God's plan for me, it seems very simple, and it flows easily into my life. What is mine to enjoy for the moment is damn near dropped on my head. I can't avoid what is mine. If I turn left, somebody grabs me by the belt and swings me around and pushes me back the direction I'm supposed to go. How do you tell God's will? I have a very easy way of telling God's will. If it comes easy, it's all right. And if it gets to be a problem, it ain't all right. So for all you that are single in the area of dating, start trying to accept the fact that if her or his phone is busy, you ain't supposed to talk to him. Try dealing with that. Try dealing with it. if you can't put it together, if you've got your eyes set, aha, there he is, or there she is, but you keep missing, like that. Somebody walks, whoops. Yeah, see, so much for the taste. <laughs> if you keep missing, somebody walks in between, a friend's car breaks down, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you can't get together with them. My suggestion would be let it go. Look elsewhere. It is not supposed to be. You can make it happen. You can make it happen. But goddamn, it's a lot of work. And very unrewarding once you have achieved it. Once you've achieved it. But you see, this won't accept that things can be that easy. That things can be that simple. Because if you accept that, then sometimes there's going to be nobody. Not in the close interpersonal relationship. There's always going to be people. If, if you make use of the program, if you avail yourself of the fellowship, there's always going to be people, okay? People talk about lonely and loneliness and all that. I don't know. You know, sure, you can get lonely, but and there are going to be times you're probably going to go through a period of time, and there isn't going to be anybody. And, and I found for me, man, those are very interesting growing periods for me. I get more in touch with me during the quiet periods of my life than I get in touch with me during the noisy periods. Now, let me explain that. Character defects and shortcomings are made very clear to me in in the midst of emotional upheaval. Okay? If I am very angry, or if I am very happy, or I am very passionate, or I am very lustful, or I am very whatever, and extreme... Ah, I immediately get in touch with character defects or shortcomings. If I, It's an explosive kind of situation. What I mean by getting in touch with me during the quiet periods of my life is a very simple thing. I, it took me years to discover that there is a gentle side of my nature that I don't want to know about. Because that side of my nature is vulnerable. You can hurt the feelings of that side of my nature... All right? So I don't want to let him out. I do not want this gentler person to come out where you can hurt him. Now, I don't feel like you can hurt him, but this thing says that you can hurt him. See? It's an interesting thing. It's the mind saying to a feeling, stay down there. Don't come out. You come out, you get hurt. You're going to get burned. Look around. So there's two different kinds of growth for me. That that comes in emotional upheaval and that that comes in the quiet time. If I'm learning anything at all about God, there's no wasted energy. None. None. If he takes me and he moves me over here and he brings you and he puts you there, then he'll also throw in this one and what I say to you will go here and it then goes there. And three years later, we will find out how far that one little incident went down the road. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And the people that are the best for you are the people that make you the angriest. And the only people you should hang around are the people that tell you the truth. Okay? Now, watch the truth. It's interesting what you can do with the truth. It's very important that if you're going to sit down and tell somebody the truth, that you temper it with love. Must. Must. Truth without love is brutality. And don't ever think it's anything else but. And a lot of people will use truth around the program under the guise of being helpful just to beat the shit out of you. I uh, you know how worthless you are? <laughs> yeah, of course I know how worthless I am. Jesus, I sit up half the night telling myself how worthless I am. I don't need that. You know, you don't have to tell me how worthless I am. I know how inept, inadequate, frightened, weak, nuts and uh, worthless I am. Why don't you tell me what I can do about it? Why don't you tell me how you started feeling less worthless? What did you do to make yourself feel a little better? One time I went to one of my sponsors and I said, I don't understand any of this self-respect bullshit. How do I get self-respect? I don't know. He said, it's a very simple matter. He said, imagine you're standing on a street corner and a little old lady steps up over the curb, trips, falls down, drops her groceries. The guy standing next to you hurries over, he helps the little old lady up, dusts her off, picks her groceries up, puts them in a sack and hands the sack back to her. Would you respect him for doing that? And I said, of course. Of course, there's one voice that says he's a fool, but you well, know, you have to remember we deal with a lot of. I deal with a lot of voices up here. You might be blessed with one. Unfortunately, I have a large number, and they never agree. <laughs> now he said, "Okay, if you will respect this man for running over and helping the little old lady up off the sidewalk and dusting her off and picking up her groceries and giving them back to her." That it stands to reason that the next time you see a little old lady fall over on the sidewalk, if you go over and pick her up and dust her off and pick her groceries up and hand them back to her, you will respect yourself for doing it. Self-respect is a matter of conducting yourself in a manner in which you would respect others if you saw them do it. And it's hard. It is a bitch if you're nuts like I am. You will not want to do it. You will watch somebody walk over to a newcomer and extend their hand to that newcomer and talk to them and say, hi, how are you, God, I love you, I suffer from your disease, here's some of our literature. sit down, what can I do for you? You'll watch another person do this and you'll say, Jesus, it's terrific, and you won't do it yourself. You'll start to do it and the head will say, well, wait a minute, I mean, you know, you know, I mean, they might call you in the middle of the night, Jesus, they may not even have a car, they might want to ride home for the meeting, you know, I mean, right? Right? <laughs> Your head will come up with a million and one reasons why you shouldn't say hello to the poor newcomer. They might ask for something. (laughs) Isn't that terrible, right? I mean, that's my mind. My mind is selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, self-obsessed, self-gratifying, and petty. Gets irritated, just outraged over little, tiny, insignificant matters that have absolutely no bearing on the quality of life, mine or yours, has the person in front of me in the checkout line really got eight items, or do they have ten? You know. That's a biggie. I should really, you know... Why well, meditate and think about God, love, and the fellowship of man when I can be busy counting items and lines among them? You know. But that's my head My head gets irritated over parking places Somebody parks over the line Right? Bird shits on my car, right? I remember when I didn't have a car Wasn't even an issue Or a parking space You know I didn't even have to feel bad about not having a car Because I didn't have a parking place And so I didn't have a place to live to put any of it You know And now I worry because the bird shits on my car It's incredible. I can't believe it. My mind is never happy. I just went through a whole thing where I worked. First of all, I couldn't get a parking place close enough to the office I had. I really, you know, I gave this guy a bad time because he just happened to catch me on a day when the petty side of my brain was operating and we just, you know, had a whole session over the location of my parking spot compared to the location of my office. Then they moved my office. I got the closest possible parking spot you can get now to my new office. And I'm saying, how about the goddamn tree now? The birds are shitting on my car, you know, right? You know. <clears throat> I got what I wanted and I'm still not happy. It hmm? took me a long time to learn that you can give my mind exactly what it wants and after it's got it, it still isn't happy. So maybe I better quit seeking what it is that this thing's asking for because it's never happy when it gets it. If my head wants you and I come and get you, you, I'm not going to be happy after I got you. It'll last about five minutes. And I'll be looking over your shoulder. <laughs> See what's on the horizon. Well, again, I guess What's next? that's the head. That's the way the head operates. The head has conditions, plans, standards, lists. You know, can't go into anything for the moment. Conditionless. Conditionless for the moment think about it you know it's it's like probably the most pain I see people have that I am close to in the program comes from resistance to change either of situations in their life or themselves resistance to change I have never I can't think of anything that I have seen cause people more pain Relationships, death, employment, money, property, prestige, none of them. All of them piled up together. And most of those, the pain in those areas, in all of those areas, comes from resistance to change. And it seems to be the one single source of all my problems, and it seems to be that my mind is the culprit. My mind is the thing that can't stand change. And the reason it cannot stand change is it can't be dealing with things that are new and think at the same time. A lot of us have taken up roller skating. All right? Greatest goddamn therapy in the world because if there's one thing you can't do when you're rolling on eight wheels on a rough sidewalk is think. (laughs) If it's Sunday afternoon and you're smoking along down the pavement, you better not get off into Monday because you're going to wind up on your ass. In a half a second. Marvelous therapy. We are starting to use it for people that call us and say, oh, I got this problem. We say, meet us Sunday. <laughs> we stick wheels under them and they go hours. <clears throat> Without even remembering why it was, they came up in the first place, right? <laughs> Haven't thought about the problem all day long. Man. Too busy trying to stay upright. <laughs> I told a friend of mine. I said, "You want to do a lot for mental illness? Send four hundred cases of roller skates to Camarillo. <laughs> take a take a schizophrenic man, put eight wheels under him, start that sucker down that long driveway, and I guarantee you, only one personality will show up." skating. <laughs> <laughs> <on, just> <laughs> have got to learn to do those things. I have to learn to do those things which sets me free, not from you, but from me. You don't make me a prisoner. I make me a prisoner. My mind makes me a prisoner. You really got no power in my life that I don't give you. I am the person I must be set free from. Man, it took a long time to get to that one. I always thought it was you. I always thought it was you and your rules and your ideas are right and wrong and your morals and your values that I had to be set free from. I never realized it was mine. Must be funny. That must be why they dumped that stupid line in the book about we must get rid of all of our old ideas. Ours. Even our ideas are right and wrong. Not yours, Mine. I must get rid of my ideas, not your ideas. I don't have to change you. I get to change me. You don't need fixing. I need fixing so I can tolerate you. And the more I fix myself, the more loving I become. The more I realize how much fixing I need, the more tolerant and loving I become of you. The more rope I give me, the more slack I give me, the more freedom I give me, the more rope, the more slack, the more freedom I give you. It's amazing how that works. I always figured if I could cut you loose, I'd be free. Nah, it works not work that way. i got to cut me loose. i got to quit thinking. i got to quit figuring. i got to quit planning 1984. You yeah. know... I get into situations in business, drive me nuts. They start saying, well, we got to start working up your retirement plan for your corporation. And then I say, oh, don't fuck with me with that. You know, don't don't even tell me about it, man. I don't even want to know about it. Do what is legally required by the trust in the IRS and don't talk to me. Because I don't want to know. I do not want to know. I personally do not have a savings account. Okay. I can't seem to get one because it must be an attitude. Every time I get one, something comes along and takes it all. Every nickel. Every time. So I've given up. The interesting thing is I haven't had a savings account in years and there's always been enough money to take care of what needs to be taken care of. I've just avoided the biggies. You know, I got married one time on this program. We put forty five thousand dollars in a savings account four months later my wife died and it was all gone because the medical bills took it. I don't want no more big savings accounts like that. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, not me. <laughs> I don't want to pay that one. Not again. Not again. It's very hard to live in the moment. Trust. Joni made a great point. How many people walked with their eyes closed? Two. Trusting lot. Hmm? Two. That's. If we weren't nuts, that would be disgraceful. <laughs> if we were emotionally well adjusted, rational, mature adults, that would be outright goddamn ridiculous. But I still, you know, have to adopt for myself a philosophy a lot of days. If I get out of the house with my shoes tied in the morning, I'm ahead of the game and I usually choose loafers. (laughs) I like to cut down the odds of ruining my day as much as possible. (laughs) I just don't want to take any chances. God sitting next to you. God, I love that. I really turned me on word time on the phone about that. I just love the idea that it's um <clears throat> there's a multitude of reasons that I I, for, I suppose at one time or another in my sobriety I used every possible reason there is for not trusting God. Either I wasn't deserving or he's punishing or uh God doesn't love me or he loves you more than he loves me or I haven't done enough things in order for him to love me or I'm a sinner or I'm bad I'm immoral I'm this I'm that if there is a reason why that exists for not trusting God I'm sure at one time or another I have used it more than once I never do anything once I'm not smart enough to just quit once (laughs) I will not learn by your experience okay you might I won't. I will not. My insanity does not lend itself to learning by your experience. You can be my dearest, closest friend, you can be the guy I love more than anybody else in the world, and you can walk through a doorway marked no entrance, come back out a half hour later beaten, bruised, battered, bloodied, and look me dead in the eye and say, oh, it's the son of a bitch in there, boy, let me tell you it's the son of a bitch in there. In my head will say to me, he walked down the wrong side of the hall and I'll open the door and away I'll go.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Only to come out in the same condition you came in. People used to say, Jesus, you're a terrible extremist. Can you show me another way to find the middle well, unless you hit both walls? I, honest to God, don't know. If the definition of sobriety is moderation and moderation represents the middle eyes in the and life is in fact the hallway or a path or a road or whatever the hell you want to call it, I'm incapable of finding the middle of that path, that hallway, that road until I have hit both walls. Because I don't know where it is. I instinctively cannot go for some reason to the center. I always go off a little to this side, a little to that side, or a lot to this side, a lot to that side. I do not know how to find the middle. Pain teaches me where the middle is. Pain, in a way, after I'm out of it and through it, and now that I can look back over the years, I can say it's been the best friend I have had in sobriety because it has been my number one teacher. Pain has been the thing. I don't know why, but I will not do it until there is a fire-breathing dragon a quarter of an inch from my ass, and then I start thinking about it. Well, maybe we should, you know, it's getting a little hot here. (laughs) Move over a little this way or a little this way, but I'm suddenly find myself starting to go towards the center of the hall. Okay? But I will sit home and tell myself what a jerk I am for having to be so hard-headed, which is a term most people use, so stubborn a lot of people use. Then I don't know another way. I honestly... Maybe you do. I'm not saying you're like I am. I'm just saying what I'm like, okay? I don't know another way. I only know how to get out of a relationship when I'm dead. I don't know how to get out while I'm still dying. <laughs> Doesn't seem my command manage that one. i got to be just going under. Mm-hmm. One more time. I should have brought I dropped my Drop the Rock shirt. I forgot it. <laughs> Packed in a hurry. <laughs> Damn. Well, I guess I'm not supposed to have it. God, look like? You know, it's really interesting. I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, I can always remember being unhappy with absolutely everything in my life, and today there's nothing I would change. Well, yeah, there's one thing. <laughs> it's a biggie. I want to show you how magnanimous my mind is. Okay? Here I am in a beautiful retreat with a lot of wonderful people at the hopefully a spiritual weekend of some kind for all of us and some kind of growth for all of us. And I say there's, huh? There's nothing in my life I want to change. Everything is fine. And I, the first thing that comes to my mind is, I wish Cadillac would fix a fucking bumper on my car so I can take the piece of tape off of it. <laughs> That's really important to the quality of life. But I labor under that kind of... If you want to know why it's hard... If you wonder why you have difficulties having a good day and a good time and feeling good and singing a little bit and just kind of letting go, it's because you got all that trash going on up there. Fix this, repair that, the faucet drips, Jesus Christ. What are we going to do about the paint peeling? now? a new rug for the floor, the drapery, blah, blah, blah. Anything but people in life. It's got a million topics, but people in life aren't it unless you're cutting them up. <laughs> I wish she'd change her hair. How come he can't fix that? He could speak. Just talks on and on and on and on. Right? If you're like I am, it starts the first thing in the morning. Glad you're awake. <laughs> couple of things I want to say to you. <laughs> I always have this. Terrible sensation it has waited up all night (laughs) You know Like while I have slept It's been sitting here waiting Wish the son of a bitch would wake up So I can talk to him, you know (laughs) It always tells me the same thing You didn't get enough sleep, you're tired First thing Tells me how tired I am Well, you better go back to sleep. As tired as you are, you can't go to work. But if you don't go to work, you can get fired. And then again, if you go to work as tired as you are, you're probably going to get fired. All right. Now you're tired and unemployed. Okay? I haven't got one foot out of bed on the floor and you've lost your job. If your head is like mine, the next thing it'll do is run a medical scan of your body. Looks for sore spots, right? You know. It's having it a field day since I started roller skating. like, <laughs> goddamn bruises everywhere. I says, that ain't a bruise, dummy. That's bone cancer. You're going to die. You know. Feel that lump? <laughs> so now I'm unemployed and dying, <clears throat> you know. And my days start like that if I choose to listen to what my mind says to me. As outrageous as what I'm going to say sounds, I'm better off listening to you than I am to me. You will not do to me what I will do to me. You can hate me more than any human being you know, and you don't have the capacity to do to me what I will do to me. I am better off to follow your instructions than I am to follow my instructions because you will not do to me what I will do to me. You know, I shouldn't listen One of the biggest, most bright discoveries of my entire sobriety Was I don't have to listen My mind has no power of its own I love it It's got no power of its own If your head says to you Well, I want you to know You're weak, inadequate, frightened, worthless, no good son of a bitch You can say, fuck off I've got things to do I do not have time to listen to this crap We're going to a meeting they will say, I don't want to go to the meeting We need to sit home and think this through I'll say in my head, unfortunately, you are attached, sucker You're going to the meeting You may not like the meeting You may not want to go to the meeting But you're going to find yourself in the meeting at one point You know, you're going to turn around and look And you will be in the meeting I don't have to give it the power because my mind says something doesn't mean it's true. I, can't, I was astounded to find that out. I was literally astounded to find out that because it is spoken between my ears, it's not necessarily true. I had a friend come to me one day on a program. He says, my head lied to me. My head always lies to me. It doesn't want me to do two things, get to know you and feel good. Must to avoid those two things at all costs. Doesn't want to know you, doesn't want to feel good. Because if I know you, I have to relate. Don't want to relate. Don't want to talk to you. Don't want to tell you what I'm really thinking. If you find that there's one thing that you will avoid more than anything else, other than resistance to change, and this in its own way is resistance to change in a recovery program, it will be you will not sit down and tell someone what you really think. You will sit down and tell them what you think you should think. You sit down and tell them what you think is the cause of your depression. You will sit down and tell them anything, but what you really know is going on inside of you, because you will not want them to know you. I have sat down on different occasions to try and share with somebody honestly what I was thinking at that moment, and the words just stopped. They wouldn't come up. Have you ever noticed how, out of extreme, immense emotional pain, you start to try and share with somebody, and you start to stutter or mumble, or uh, 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 won't come up? If you tried that. It won't come out Because this thing Tries to like <clears throat> Because every time You sit and express openly To another human being What you're really thinking It puts you in touch With the ridiculousness Of your own thinking it Puts you in touch With the insanity Of your own thinking My own think, My thinking only makes sense To me when it's left alone It will never stand up To examination By outside people Never stands up To outside examination So it can't afford tell you what it's really thinking it can't do it I wanted to say, it's like an example Okay, an example is if your head tells you that you're going to be broke in six weeks that thought only has power if you agree you must agree with that thought in order for it to have power you can say to me hey you're going to be broke in six weeks Robert I walk out the door laughing going down the road and buy a can of tab and not even care what the hell do you know? But my head says it. Right? Which is probably less educated than yours. You're going to be broken six weeks. I go, oh, Jesus. What am I going to do then? God, how am I going to find one? Well, I don't even know. And I'm gone, right? <whistles> Off on a thing. Because my head said it. See? Now, my head can say to me, you're going to be broken six weeks. I can say, so what? Go on about my business. I'm not today. I am not today. Probably the one thing that came home to me a while back, Mm -hmm. a few months ago, about 10 months ago, whenever the hell it was, was that if I took my life and examined it for this moment only, even though I knew everything was screwed up, even though I knew I wasn't working, even though I knew the money was running out, even though I knew this, I knew that, I knew everything that was going to go wrong down the road, I knew how bad things were, I knew how everything had turned absolute crap. If I took one minute and examined my life as it is for this moment, it was okay. If I would bring it down to right now, this second, it's okay. Fine. This second's okay. Tomorrow could get a little shaky. Today's okay. But somehow tomorrow would be okay. And somehow the next day would be okay. One of the things... One of the things for me that's been about trying to get in touch with spiritual guidance, inner spiritual guidance, has been to understand that God at work in my life is always illogical. While I am being moved from one place to another, while change is taking place in my life, while transitions are being made, it never makes sense. Intellectual sense; it is always illogical. God has to take care of me because I can't take care of myself. Um, an example—the only example I can think of that immediately comes to mind—is <clears throat> I was living a while ago, in a couple months ago, in San Barbara. And, um... it's it's like... It's all right. I mean, I liked it. I thought. No, I liked it. It was okay. I mean, there's a part of me... The freak in me can't stand it. But the uh, other part of me liked it. Whatever the other part is. The grandfather in me loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um... what happens if you get married young. Anyhow... One of the, wh- oh, that just took me right away from... <laughs> but is that's it, dummy, go ahead. Tell everybody you're your goddamn grandfather. Throw that one out for examination. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You see, one of the things I never avoid anymore is confusion. I love confusion because confusion is the only sign I have that I have an open mind. For me. I'm sorry. If I'm not confused and I have a problem, I'm in trouble. I have locked in on what I think is the answer, and I am beginning to proceed in that direction. If so I'm sitting around going, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, it's a good example. I'm sitting up in Santa Barbara. Things I don't really feel that good. I'm not really that comfortable. Things aren't. I'm just kind of good. I'm not, I'm not creating. I feel like I'm just sort of like this. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I've got no idea what to do. And then something comes up, we begin to discuss a job down in Los Angeles, but it would mean that I would have to be in a specific location every day, and I live in Santa Barbara. And I think, oh, what am I going to do now? I mean, what if what if this thing comes through? What the hell am I going to do now? So while the negotiations were going on for the contract, I am sitting quietly, muddled, confused in Santa Barbara, not knowing what the hell is going to happen, what's going to go on. I don't know how the negotiations are going to go. They were not looking good at that point. I got no goddamn idea what's going to transpire in my life. I have no place to live in Southern California if I'm going to come down here to work. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. And the phone rings. My phone rings in Montecito. Guy on the other end of the phone says, Look, this guy, a mutual friend of yours and mine, said that I should call you and ask you how you like living up there. So I told him, you know, I went into the whole thing about how beautiful it was and the healthy and the people are neat and it's very laid back and the air is clean and the ocean is gorgeous and the trees are fantastic and Montecito's a little quiet but gorgeous, etc., 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 etc. I go on into a whole thing about how really beautiful it is. Now, I wanted the man to understand where I was living when I went to Montecito so that he would know what I gave up to move there, all right? I mean, I wanted him to know that I had this absolutely fantastic two-bedroom penthouse on the top of this building in Los Angeles with a view of the entire city that on a clear day from the middle of L.A. it allowed me to see Catalina. And I wanted him to understand that. And I, so I wanted him to first understand the location of the building. I said, well, you know the building at 999? He said, yeah, I own it. <laughs> Changes the conversation considerably. <laughs> <You> well <know. laughs> So... <laughs> and I said, oh. I said, well, then, you know, I had the apartment on the top south side, but, uh, you know. And I said, and yet I don't miss it because, you know, of the beauty here. I said, but, however, I may have to come back to town to to work, and I'm going to need a second apartment down there. He said, look, I own 40 other buildings. You need an apartment when you get back to town? Call me. I said, oh, Okay call him. I didn't seek him out. I mean, I, my God, must take care of me because I am a small child and I have a great deal of difficulty functioning in an adult world. I have a lot of difficulty functioning in an adult world. But I don't have to because if I'm willing to sit down and say to God, please take care of me because I can't take care of myself and I don't have to make you think I know how to take care of me, okay? i don't have to present an image to you that I'm okay. I can say, hey, look, (laughs) not me. I don't want to, you know, I can't. The man calls me Three days later God damn it The negotiations are completed And I need a place to live And I call the guy up I said okay Gotta have an apartment He says where do you want to live I said well I can't see moving Back to West Hollywood From Montecito Without having a nervous breakdown <clears throat> So how about the beach Like Santa Monica He said okay call us brought up He gives me the phone number The address He said at this building down there And tell her to give you the apartment so I called this lady on the phone and said, look, I need a one-bedroom apartment She said, I'm terribly sorry She said, the waiting list for our building is 500 people I said, whoa, well, wait a minute I said, I was talking to someone the other day on the phone He said, if I need an apartment, I should call him I need one, I called him He said, call you and tell you to give me the apartment Mr. Earl, when would you like to see it? <laughs> All right? So well, tomorrow will be okay, tomorrow i will be fine What time? <laughs> right? I didn't look Never opened classified sections Okay? I got the job. I didn't know what I was going to do to start generating income back in my life. They called me. I'll tell you what's even funnier. A guy who who I worked with at another studio a year and a half ago, we parted in a violent argument. I mean, I said, if I see you again, you son of a bitch, I'm going to drop you out of a window. Right? I mean, that was the end of our creative relationship, right? (laughs) He got promoted to a higher position on a show and needed somebody to fill the slot that he had filled, and I don't want he has to come in. Knocked me down. Knocked me down. I didn't know what the hell to do. I didn't know where I was going to get the money. I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't know anything about any of it. I was sitting quietly, confused, and muddled in Santa Barbara. But because of my past experience, I knew one thing for sure. It was going to work out. It was going to work out. I didn't know how. I didn't know when. I didn't know by what means. I didn't know through what people. I had no idea how it was going to work out, but God damn it, I would have put it in writing for you. It's going to come around okay. I knew it was going to come around okay. Now, I live in a beautiful one-bedroom apartment on the 11th floor in Santa Monica overlooking the ocean. I am perfectly content. I have a great job. They paid me more money to start my job than they've ever paid anybody else in the same position. And I just sit there quietly and go, I'll be son of a bitch. I'll be damned. And I was sitting broke, man, going down the tubes in Santa Barbara trying to figure out what I was going to do and had no idea what to do. None. But my mind was always saying to me, you gotta know, you gotta get ready, you gotta be prepared, you gotta fix it, you gotta this, you gotta that, you know. Do you ever get tired of listening to it? Have you ever noticed that when anybody picks up a gun, they never shoot themselves in the foot? Okay? <laughs> There's a lot of things I can't take too seriously, and I have a very close friend, a lady who I absolutely love, absolutely love. She lived in my home when I went through one of the worst crises of my sobriety. She was at my side. She was at my wife's side. I absolutely goddamn adore her. There's probably not another female in the world I really love more. I feel closer to because of the experience that we shared. And about three months ago, her brother blew her brains out, and I called her up on the phone because I love her. And the only thing I knew how to say for an opening line to her was, I guess, he decided to shut up the voices. I guess he decided to shut up the voices. Because I love her. And that's the truth. And that's what happened. You see? Tried to shut up the voices. That's what I'm always trying to get away from, is the voices. The voices. And I can do insane things not knowing why I'm doing them. And all I'm doing is I'm trying to get away from this madness. You see? You may be neurotic. I am mad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm mad. There are just times that I can be sitting quietly thinking and you'd swear to God I was in an electric shock. <laughs> a lot of energy in the old body at that moment. You know. All from that damn thinking. Thinking, 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 thinking. If you learn how not to think, life would be beautiful. Meditation is great, by the way, guys. It's a bitch to start. And any, any good teacher of meditation that I have ever read... All of them say the same thing when you first start trying to learn, ignore the head. Don't try and stop it. You only give it power by trying to stop it. Try and shut it up and it'll talk to you more. Ignore it and it finally gets bored and quits. You know, it's the truth. It's the truth. Ignore it. Don't listen to it. If it says you're broke, forget it. If it says you're going to die, forget it. It says you're going to end your relationship. You're going to get a new one. The guy hates you. The lady loves you. Whatever it says, forget it. Just go on sitting, waiting for silence. And at first, it won't be easy. But eventually, when you get into some of it, you will find that you can do it. You can do it easy. I found, for any of you that have been in meditation for a while, I've got to an interesting thing. I found with my own over a period now, maybe eight years. Some periods of time Very structured Religiously structured Ah It's time to go meditate That one almost killed me Right? Huh? One Yeah. thirty You know, Stark raving mad I would stop everything And sit down You know, I'd just go Right over the edge Okay? <clears throat> I have found Over the years now It has taken a turn on me Where now For me Meditation is A. Spontaneous And B. Silence is immediate Immediate I sit down now, The silence is immediate And when the silence ceases I get up and go about my business The minute it starts So it has take. I don't know I'm just sharing In case somebody's here and going through Because at first I started I just couldn't figure out What was going on I was delighted That the silence came But then suddenly The voices would come After a while And go oh, How come I'm really You know Not learning anything And I, I don't know But it works for me Anyway try it But don't Structured meditation May work for you I'm not saying don't do it Do you know do I don't think you can do wrong As long as you're trying To work the program What time is lunch? I was thinking of you. I don't want to get no, you know. <laughs> I don't want to be up here overtime, you know. <laughs> I have a few friends that have hijacked Twinkie trucks. I don't want to be around. Them. <laughs> what time?
1: At. Oh, the means
0: 20... Okay, okay. Well, what time you want to stop a quarter of? Give everybody 45 minutes to whatever. Take another truss walk. Think? Yes, a little time to think. A <clears throat> <laughs> little, little free time to think before lunch. <laughs> we did you a favor. We take the meeting. Throw some silverware in front of you in a plate. We <laughs> <laughs> had four minutes and we'll pick it up again. <laughs> The severest critic of your
1: program
0: will be your head. Apparently, that struck Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the spears going in. Oh. <laughs> the severest critic of your program will be your head. I couldn't cut you up like you'll cut yourself up. So maybe you better use somebody else as a yardstick. It'll be impossible for you to see your growth within this fellowship as a, as your as your friends or people around you will see it. You will never see your progress to the great length that they will see it. That applies to me. I need every now and then to be around the people I know who have known me since I am brand new. And God knows when I need them. That's what's so hysterical. God knows exactly when I need them. I had to go talk to me in Newport Beach a couple of months ago. He went along with me. And a guy I love more than anybody who has known me since the day I came to this program, who has helped me through every kind of hurdle and obstacle in sobriety. who was at my side. When my wife died, I mean, I love him more than anybody else in the world. It was his birthday. And he took a cake. And I needed to say, how are you? And I needed to have him hear me talk so he could tell me how I'm doing. Just in case I was wrong. I was right. But just in case I was wrong. (laughs) I have to double-check myself. I find out that a friend of mine Who'd been sober over 16 years Had begun to drink And I know one place for me to go When I hear a word like that And that's to a meeting And I go to a meeting And who's the speaker But a lady that I've known 17 years Sober a month longer than I am And we talk And she speaks And I listen And we go home and we say It's okay It's okay God, that's some of that Yeah, some of you Okay Jerry was laughing Because he was at the meeting with me and <clears throat> yeah, I know what he's laughing about It's kind of like One of the things that this gal talks about a lot Which I really love And I just never I never ever get into it For some reason or I don't remember it Or my head conveniently forgets it She likes the fellowship to a company A large company And she said everything she has Is like the old days Belongs to the company Or comes from the company store She works in a company job, she gets a company paycheck, she drives a company car, she lives in a company home, she has two, 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 two children, two company children, she attends the company meetings, her life is beautiful beyond all imagination, all imagination, she has more than she ever dreamed humanly possible to have in her life, and the only condition for her to continue to keep it is don't leave the company. Just don't leave the company. And it's okay. And I love that analogy, man. I really like that. This is a company. I have a company job. I drive a company car. I live in a company apartment. I attend company meetings. All belongs to the company. God is a company, certainly. Our fellowship is God. You know, I mean, this is no mistake. This is no accident. Alcoholics Anonymous isn't a fluke. Isn't some goddamn dreamed-up super-sensitive training, you know. Ah, 72 hours without sleep in a hot tub in the mountains, and it'll fix you, you know. It ain't that. Two poor lame nut drunks, man, got together 40 years ago, and here we all are. Here we all are. And we're not even a structured organization. They don't even know how many people belong. got no idea. Every census they have ever taken in the seventeen years I've been around has gone wacko. Because people go to a lot of meetings. and every meal the alcoholic give him a card, he'll fill it out. (laughs) Well, I go to this group too, screw it. (laughs) I won't fill out nothing, not me, you know I mean either fill out six cards or none, right? So you don't know, how, they don't know how many people. They have a tough time finding out where the hell the groups are. <laughs> you know, it is that the Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't know exist if they don't call up and tell them. That's how, that's how carefully structured by corporate standards our organization is. And yet it continues to grow, continues to constantly grow and grow and grow as does O A. And its product is the one impossible product in our entire planet, human lives. We don't restore automobiles. We restore people. We take broken and busted souls and make them whole. That's a tough business. That's a tough business. But it works. It worked. Once I began to get sensitive in sobriety, I found I cried at everything. Cried at television commercials. I cried at football games. I cried at tennis matches I cried at movies I cried Jesus at means It talks to me It's like I always cry Particularly Particularly if it was a movie And it had to do With a physically crippled person Getting up and walking again Right? Or seeing again Right? Any of those things man I would just Devastate me It would be a box of Kleenex time Alright? There was no hope Alright? Why? Simple I identify. I identify. Hey, maybe the sightlessness man was in my head. And maybe the crippled, the emotional, was me emotional. I had made myself a prisoner of an emotional wheelchair. But I still was there. I mean, drugs and alcohol had put me there. They had put me in that goddamn chair. So when I see a movie and somebody gets up and they walk, I go, yeah, wow, wow. I get nuts. It's like... Yeah, I understand. I don't really, but I do emotionally. Sure, physically I'll never understand, but I understand. And that's why I cry. And that's why I cry. So if you sit home and cry next time, now you know why. There's a little piece of you. There's a little hope that you see. In their recovery, in their walking, in their seeing again, in their happiness, in their finding the love of their life, in that happy ending, not your intellect. But your feelings, your soul, a little part of you says, Yeah, it's okay. There's hope for me. Maybe I can have that. <laughs> I have never found myself to hold false hopes in sobriety. I have never had a false hope. A lot of little loony desires. <laughs> Possibly. A few somewhat strange obsessions and compulsions, possibly. Some of them have never been satisfied. In sobriety. But these hopes down here seem to keep coming true. And it's interesting, they seem to be very simple. All I really want is to feel good and have a little peace of mind and get along with you. I mean, let's, let's reduce it to its basis. What do I really want? Feel good. Get along with you. Little peace of mind. That's it. That's it. You know, somebody telling a joke once, and I loved it, because immediately it really struck me. It really struck me. They said, do you know, he said, the guy asked me, he said, do you know how many Californians it takes to screw in a light bulb? And I said, how many? He says, it takes four. One to screw in the bulb and three to share the experience. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that for a minute, and I said to him, I said, of course it does, you goddamn dummy, man, because we're busy looking inside, and the only reason we're looking inside is we came all the way and hit the Pacific Ocean, spent a few days, and said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, this is as far as I can go, and it ain't here. (laughs) I have just reached the water, man, and I ain't here. So I have now begun to look inside. All right, I have begun to look inside. He still thinks he can come west. <laughs> See, he ain't got to get into that yet. <laughs> Wait till he boards the big bird in the sky and gets off an international and realizes that the same asshole got off the plane that got on, you know. you'll understand why I approve geographics. I love it. If you want to run, run, I approve of it 100%. I think running is terrific. Running has been good for me. Rain is always good for me, because I always get there and nothing changes. Now i got to do what I've been avoiding in the first place. I get off the airplane, and the same whippo that got on is busy walking through the airport, picking the bags up, ready to start again. <laughs> Doesn't work, right? Same nut. Ah, here we are. Isn't this wonderful, Well, Yeah. You're still weak, inadequate, and stupid. You're not going to get a job in this town either. You think it's bad being broke there? Wait till you see how broke you are here, huh? <laughs> I hope your ego has diminished enough that you can stand in the food line because that's where you're going to wind up, you know. <laughs> All that for a moment of glory, right, you know. So if you want to run, run, Sorry. Your head will find a very logical reason why you should go. Very logical reason why you should travel. I've had babies come to me that wanted to go to work on the Alaskan pipeline that can't stand the outdoors or snow. (laughs) But they were in the middle of the divorce, the car had been repossessed, and they were unemployed and said, you know, it'd really be good for me, man, you know, physical labor I can get out there, you know, and Jesus, breathe clean air, I mean, they don't even breathe yet, really, you know, there's... They're still just exhaling all the dope they smoked for 20 years. You know, I get up there and get next to God out in the wilderness and everything will be okay. I say, go. You know, buy a warm coat. I don't know what it's like, but I can imagine it's got to be a big disappointment standing out there in a blizzard with snow up your ass tightening bolts of the pipeline, man, knowing that your buddies are laying on the beach back in something, California.
1: <laughs>
0: and you went up there to get away from it all. But that's the kind of decisions the head makes. That's the kind of miraculous decisions your head will make. Well, it's summer. Let's go to Alaska. You Well, it's winter, let's go to Alaska You know, that's better yet I spent the first five years of my sobriety My timing was always off (laughs) Ed and I went down to the store We were looking at all the people in the store Some of them seemed to have been affected in one direction or another By a few chemicals We were were listening to some of the conversations We said, God, we can remember when our old lives were like that You get up in the morning and you're start an hour behind I mean, this poor the guy in front of us were talking about, well, I called, but the pole must be off the hook. The dog must have knocked it off, and... And I guess they ain't there Because, you know, they'd put it back on Well, why don't you call them at the store? Well, they wouldn't be at the store Because, you know, otherwise they'd go home and fix the phone Now I can't pick their laundry up He says, well, they could have called you Well, that's right, you don't have a phone, you know I thought, God, I love it, man I spent my whole life being out there, you know, just a little bit late You know, everybody had just left, right? The phone was always busy and everybody was gone And I could never figure out why I could go through a whole day and miss the whole day Miss the entire day Sun would start to set and I'd think, what happened? Where the hell did it go? You know, I had things to do today. What happened? Yeah you know, That's a great thing. You really want to, you want to devastate yourself in recovery, make a list in the morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you, know, you want to turn your will and your life over to the care of God moment to moment, make a list and then go ahead and bring it off. <laughs> make it happen. Get to that meeting at 12 o'clock. Without fail Screw the breakdown of the trucks on the freeway And the traffic And that everything is taking you in another direction It's like the guy in Chicago When the lady came up and said Please, please, sir I gotta get home I gotta get home He said, ah, oh, fucker Take my seat I'm not in a hurry Didn't have to go Didn't have to bring his plan off Instinct, he had to go He sat down Just because he had a ticket for the flight Didn't mean he had to go that's how I understand moment-to-moment spiritual living. Somebody came up, a sister, a sister of the Fellowship of Man, came up and said, Hey, please, 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 I must go. I must be on that plane. He said, Okay. Didn't have to get on. One of the people of Goldsmith, who I read a lot, says very quietly, and, and but very pointedly, he said, If you are living a life and you are walking in tune with your God day-to-day, moment-to-moment... Those are times you will not get on the plane that is about to crash You will not get on the train that is about to crash You will not get on the boat that is about to sink Because your instinct will turn you away from it as if it was fire But the problem is when I'm operating on, inst- on intellect instead of instinct I am willing to walk through fire <laughs> I am willing to, Where is the asbestos? <laughs> I, I want to get on the other side Because I know what I want is on the other side And i got to have what I want on the other side you see? So, I would say in closing, I know you guys always make a circle, but doesn't that strike you as a little ridiculous in this room this size with all these people? No? no? God doesn't care. He will listen to you praying in the toilet as fast as he will the biggest church in the world. Okay? Doesn't care. Unimportant. Unimportant. Please have the circle, okay? I would not want to interfere with your circle. No sense closing any minds when it's unnecessary. I love And look at God, look next to you.